0: The phone conversation between fantasy veterans bob harris and mount waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players units or teams from sunday's games feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation not the ability effort or character of the player this is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time.
1: ah aliens like you, like now, we know why you wear a hat all the time. Uh, you look like the Aliens guy meme. Uh, well done, man. That was like horrifying. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, I'm my Doc Brownish self. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Week 14 in the books, heading into the fantasy playoff run. Things get a little more important, a little more intense for the people remaining. Look, if you're out of the running, there's daily, there's all kinds of things, there's postseason tournaments. So don't feel like you're cut out of the fun. There's still a lot going on. Jump on in the mix, and also. Uh, get Christmas presents, the early bird special, still available, Matt Walden. Yeah, Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Pre-Draft, Post-Draft Guide for 2024,
0: which will be available April 1st. And then <clears> with the post-draft one week after the NFL draft, been going now, entering its 19th year, 19th year in the business. And, you know, you want to be ahead of the game on folks like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb, Cooper Cup. you know, the list justin jefferson the li- look the list is long and you know there's mistakes too for sure trey sermon you know demarius thomas you know i can think of those guys right off the bat pretty good but
1: still and i think if you're like if you're out there playing in dynasty leagues to dig it deeper i can tell you that i have players on my rosters now i would have no- otherwise never heard of or not for the rookie scouting portfolio look i cover pro football right yeah. so during the college football season i'm not watching these players i have no knowledge of them so where does my knowledge come from it comes from the rookie scouting portfolio and that's why i end up with players on my roster this year parker washington xavier hutchinson guys that you know may just be getting some opportunities coming ahead and we'll get to see what they do but but were it not for the rookie scouting portfolio i have no idea who to be drafting in my dynasty leagues it's fact and uh, probably some of you are in the same boat even if you're not even if you just love football right <laughs> you just love football and you want to sit down and read uh, like about the qualities and the attributes that make a player great or not great and gain an understanding of of the scouting process a little bit as well because matt shows all the notes all the behind the scenes work you get a feel for for, for how to look at these things for yourself going forward so uh great from that perspective as well so go out and get that thing Your yeah
0: papers. 1995 yeah. is the discount it's you know it's
1: cheap it's powered on alien technology ah, you know well, i so pay full I price i will not yeah. i will not i refuse to buy this coverage and i know you like cash flow so go buy it people but yeah I'm paying full freight. I love, yeah,
0: it. and I appreciate the crazies <laughs> who do like my friend here, Bob Harris. So, so I definitely, I believe
1: I have all 19 years laying around here. So.
0: Hey, hey, look, you might be, you might be in because of that. You might be in store for what my wife's doing downstairs because she's bookbinding right now. She's like mm-hmm. making these like nice looking tomes with leather covers and gold leaf and all this oh stuff. Yeah, she's been doing some. So she's gonna make. She's apparently gonna make some twenty, um, um, all twenty additions in, in in a leather set. So we'll see. She Be might special. do a couple of them. We might give one away. We'll see down the line. All right, but, yeah. All right let's dive into let's week
1: 14 then, Matt, and get busy here. Uh, interesting game yesterday in Cleveland where uh, Trevor Lawrence playing on a bum leg. That guy's an alien. There's yes. your alien. That's there. a high ankle sprain, and he's playing this week. This is, like, not the first time he's done this either, right? We go back to, was it last year, the toe injury? Missed zero time. This year, the knee sprain missed zero time. In fact, came back four games later and led his team in rushing. And, and here he was out there. A, he's a looking, Georgia boy. Look at, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> looking a little worse for the wear, but not, you know, but 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 man, God bless that guy. He is, a, he's amazing. And, and a lot, like a lot we said, I mean, the team thinks he's very limber. I think that when you watched him go down uh, on the play, he was hurt. I thought the knee opposite the leg that he's framed, I said, oh, that's not good either. <laughs> no. There's nothing to matter with that. That's the flexibility we're talking about. Also the flexibility in choosing his weapons. Often he chooses to target Calvin Ridley. He did that yesterday, not with great effect, but he did choose to target him heavily uh calvin ridley in jacksonville next year is he going to be uh like a cheap asset or a discount priced asset that you're going to be looking to invest in
0: something tells me calvin ridley is going to be looking to recoup some of that money that he lost when he got Mm. suspended and will be trying to go elsewhere and somebody else is going to and i don't want to say fall for the bait because calvin ridley is a good football player i just don't i think they may fall for that he is a primary receiver in the nfl and i think what we saw we've seen this year is kind of what we've seen most of the time when he was in atlanta not that one big year he had yeah, that but was most it. of the time which is dropped passes misrun routes um some key mistakes and moments that you wish you wouldn't see i mean there was a slant where that led to an interception where lawrence was literally like and lawrence seems like a calm guy and Lawrence was literally screaming at Ridley across right. the field, like, "Look, look at me!" When right, you make right, that yeah. break, look, you know. And then there was another misroute that misrun route that led to a, um, you know, bad play. And so there's some there's some <laughs> things there that Ridley's good, but to me, put him in that Devonta Smith tier where people will argue till they're blue in the face that that they're primary receivers, but they really aren't. They're helped out by a secondary
1: option. Um so yeah. bottom line, feel it or fuck it, will he be back as a Jaguar next year? Fuck it. No, no. he's gone. Yeah, he's Somebody's gone. gonna pay him? That's I guess that's like you think L- someone will L- fall for the Yes. The I
0: mean they fell for Josh McDaniels. I'm sure that they'll fall for uh <laughs> you know <laughs> they fall for Josh McDaniels, Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, you know, Deshaun right. Watson. I mean, Fair come on. You know somebody's gonna pay for Calvin Ridley. I hope All right. it's not what, the what team about, I what just about,
1: Let's move on to, to the guy that I mentioned, Parker Washington. Who, by the way, I think you know if you look back to the two weeks ago, the play on which uh, Trevor Lawrence was hurt was a hot read that maybe Parker Washington didn't realize was a hot read. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And but you can at least blame that a little bit on being a rookie and entering yes. your first. You coming know, coming off your early IR, games. right? He, come, he, yeah. right?
1: He had just coming off IR.
0: Yeah. But when you watch the past two weeks what you see is a is a player who really has a knack for winning um contested catch or trust throw type of targets the targets that Ridley doesn't always win like and and doesn't mean that they're the same type of player because Ridley can plays the slot but can play outside he can do both and he's a deep threat Parker Washington <coughs> isn't gonna beat your your best cornerback with speed. He's not gonna even beat your second best cornerback with speed, Um, but if he's in the area, he can come down with the football and he is a trust throw magnet. Trevor Lawrence is a trust throw quarterback that we've always seen that at Clemson, whether, you know, whoever he had at Clemson that he was targeting, he he was really good at just putting the ball in an area where his receiver can go up and win it. And that's Washington especially along with breaking tackles after the catch. So I see Washington being a pivotal slot roll guy. They need a true number 1 though. If you get if you give them Kirk Washington and Jones isn't that guy. Jones could be a nice 3 or 4th guy pairing with Washington, but they need a they need a a primary guy whether it's they get in the draft or Roma Dunze or, you know, a Marvin Harrison or a Malik neighbors, they could get somebody.
1: How how does Parker Washington coexist with uh, Christian Kirk?
0: I think it goes well because both of them can probably work in inside, outside as the flanker. And, right. you know, so they win a lot after the catch. I think Washington's better as your like underneath slot receiver and,
1: and, and, um, but
0: you can interchange them a lot.
1: So I'm gonna go uh, with one that I totally feel, and you can fuck it if you want. Uh, but this is set for you as a Cleveland Browns aficionado to some degree. Uh, Joe Flacco will help the Browns win in the playoffs. I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling it.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, look at, you know, Brandon Leister said it very well, uh, um, you know, and a Cleveland Browns analyst and quarterback coach has said it took 38 years but the Browns have finally figured out that when you get a quarterback who can actually throw accurately and process information in the Competency. middle of the field on time and be competent, you can actually do a lot. And when the biggest thing you notice with Flacco is that he spreads the ball around. Mm-hmm. Last week, you know, David Njoku wasn't playing his best. You know, Harrison Bryant played well. This week You know, David Bell had a had a long play on a broken, you know, broken coverage um, on fourth and three that turned into a touchdown. But you could also see that he spread the ball around to, I want to say, eight or nine receivers, maybe even more than that. Yeah. Eight. I was counting. Yeah. See, <laughs> so, there you in, go. Yeah. The way the,
1: the way the target shares worked out, Amari Cooper, the lead receiver, gets 13, makes sense. Elijah Moore, Cedric Tillman, six and four. David Bell, kind of the outlier guy, got three. To see David Njoku had his eight. Yeah. Jordan Akins had one. Jerome Ford, five. Kareem Hunt, one. So he did spread it around nicely. Look, you know, well, I mean, am I expecting at some point for there to be moments of, of not greatness? Yes. I expect them to be Fewer and farther in between than what we've seen from the quarterback play to this point. And I'm going to include uh, Deshaun Watson in that mix, who, you know, had a struggle, seemed to be getting up to speed finally, right? I- I'll give Deshaun Watson that credit, but, but boy, for what the investment in, his, in him has been, you know, the expectation certainly wasn't it was going to take him some time to get up to speed. Uh, so, you know, and that still seems to be a process that's ongoing. So I'm not sure he's all the way there. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco's up to speed. And even if there's going to be some moments where you go, God, that sucked, yeah. uh, Because there always is with Flacco at some point. But, yeah. but like, overall, I think this, you know, if you have a team like the Cleveland Browns where you can play defense, you've got a the solid ball. running back core, <laughs> yeah. you've some solid talent on the outside in the form of, you know, Cooper and Njoku, and I'll throw Elijah Moore in there. I think this is this is a this sets them up better than we've seen them set up for a while. Feeling it, both of us. Yes. Brees Hall, an elite producer by 2025. Feel or fuck it.
0: Feeling it because he's damn close right now. Without a quarterback damn. or an offensive line, he's. I mean, he is second. <clears throat> I believe he's second in tar- in catches this year um, among running backs and third in yardage. Um, so. He's up there with McCaffrey and Kamara already as a receiver, and that's really on the bulk of what he's doing since Week 8. After up to Week 6, he was averaging three targets per game. After the Week 7 bye, he's averaging 6.7 targets per game. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback, right? But at the same time, if they Hmm. bring back Aaron Rodgers and he's healthy enough to go, that's going to allow you – Two things. One is they're gonna be able to run that that forty niners esque offense that they're gonna be running um and and let Brees Hall be the McCaffrey type of player. So one of two things happens. Either they they're gonna raise their amount of offensive snaps to where um Hall's receptions that they as they are right now will translate to in the offense and be proportionate to what the offensive is normally running and it's just gonna not change much. But he's going to get more touches in the red zone instead of having two rushing
1: touchdowns he's probably going to have at least 6 at this point this right. next year if not more and by the way he is third tied for second in catches with Christian McCaffrey 52 he is second in targets at 66 just the, both of those behind uh totals behind Alvin Kamara only Alvin Kamara uh and so so like yesterday was you watched the 49ers and you saw the first play of the game christian mccaffrey break off that 76 yard run was it that's also Brees hall i mean that he is going to break off those long runs i think uh, you know this year has been a little bit of a a, of a rough ride why would it not be he's coming off a torn acl that should have been the expectation that he got in was it the first the first game he got in and i felt like it was a you know kind of a uh, an honorary like okay get your beat yeah. wet kid and then he tore off a bunch of long runs and he ended up getting a little more and then they dialed back a little bit and I think probably he was dealing with soreness it's the kind of things you would expect and he this looked rough be...
0: on those runs I mean like right. that wasn't he that was him at 70 percent compared right. to what this, he would have done
1: this should be the uh, and ante- this should have been the expected outcome him ramping it up as we go along now he did play this week on a bad ankle uh, kept him out of practice for two days as well, and I thought he looked really good. I was very skeptical of him going in. I was probably too. Uh, s- assessing too wide a range of options based on the injury, and you know, and Cook, the, the, yeah, and Cook coming out like so. The the thing that caught me this week was you know the report on Thursday that he was working in on the rehab field. Right? Yeah. You just hear the word rehab, you are going, eh? Well, yeah. I am not going to, I am not going to be excited. And then Rich Samini, who covers that team on the daily for ESPN, said this might be a Dalvin Cook week, and you know, so. That got ingrained in my head. I still play Brees Hall, but I didn't enthusiastically endorse him as I should have, and that won't happen again, Mr. Brees Hall, sir. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah, totally uh, d- him. Demarcus Robinson, wide receiver three to wide receiver four value going forward. Do you feel that working behind, alongside, in the mix with uh, a variously surgent and non-insurgent uh, Cooper Cup and the amazing Puka Nakua?
0: I'm kind of feeling it because – when you see the the teams that the Rams face, they're either really good against the pass or really bad. And either way, with especially with Tutu Atwell getting banged up in that game, I mean yep. he got he looked like a stunt man like
1: he was hurting a bunch of different ways on the single play where he I'm kinda just... The way Physics he was, the yeah,
0: yeah, the way he walked to the blue tent looked <laughs> awful.
1: That looked like you are it looked gonna, like multiple things. Like his yeah, knee kind of got like, twisted around, his head banged on yeah, the ground. There was I, a lot going on. Guys. Yeah,
0: I was kind of thinking like, isn't someone helping him to this tent? Because he doesn't look like he
1: should be on his feet right now. He's trying to channel his yeah. inner uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, he Fuck looked. that cart.
0: He looked, <laughs> I'll just say this, he was tough. He gets a toughness award. For just making his way to the tent based on I'm the way you. he got hit. I'm with you. Um, but Demarcus Robinson, I mean, you look at it this way. Matthew Stafford seems to have a rapport with him. Um, and also he has that wily quarterback, veteran type of understanding that, look, there's going to be a number of situations where I just need to target Robinson. He's going to be wide open because everyone's focused on my other two receivers or my running back. And so let's leverage him in these. Like last week, touchdown was that way. This week, it was just more a function of Robinson winning the ball. And, and Stafford targeted him a couple times in some red zone scenarios late in the yeah. game too. So you can see that there's a connection and and Stafford likes that. I mean, after all, Stafford threw the ball to A.J. Green at Georgia and threw the ball to Calvin Johnson in Detroit. I, do you think if there's anybody that we would put and say trust throw is a trust. <clears throat> if, they, if there's a guy that he's like, I can make the trust throw to this guy, he's going to be attracted to doing that. So Robinson to me, it was kind of that gut feeling last week. Now there's a little more confirmation. So I'm feeling him <clears throat> as maybe 10, that, ten targets
1: tied, tied with Cooper t- Cooper cup at the top of the ranks, with one ahead of uh, Puka Nakua, who by the way continues to be pretty amazing. Uh, uh, and Cooper cup, you know shows that there is still some cooper cup left in him i think robinson only caught three of the targets but one of them was for a touchdown uh and 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 i also feel like this is me just eyeball test wise i did not study the film i'm not matt waldman uh but just you know i think the trust that Stafford has in him he throws him some tough balls yeah right and you know that aren't necessarily easy plays to make so uh, i'm not making excuses for the young man he can certainly make his own but i thought he looked pretty damn good i thought ezekiel elliott looked super good uh, playing in a horrible Patriots offense that, tended, that just showed up. So we're going to talk about a couple players here in the Patriots. I think we need to acknowledge first that if that's the offense they're going to be playing in, that, okay, I might feel them. If it's the offense we've seen for most of the season, the historically bad offense, the offense that in the three games previous uh, set scoring parameters not matched in 85 years in the NFL, <laughs> losing three games uh, to with the, with the teams that scored 10 points or fewer. That, it was 26 points uh, scored against him. So, uh, so, so we'll just go ahead and stipulate this is uh, last week's Patriot offense. Ezekiel Elliott, what do you think of it?
0: I've been feeling Ezekiel Elliott. I'm still feeling him. He's, um, he just he really understands how to play the game at his position. It's you can see why. Yeah, you can see why Bill Belichick coveted him because not only it's just the the pass rush capability. Um, to to protect there. But what he does as a receiver, I know Dallas fans would say, oh, he's not that much of a receiver. Well, you you wouldn't have known that otherwise last week against the Steelers in terms of how he made most of his yardage, Um, you know, came off of that. But he's going to be, he is a workhorse. He's the type of old school running back that could have played 15, 20 years ago um, and had multiple you know 300 touch seasons and probably been just fine you know maybe he had better years than others but he's he's so efficient in how he moves and understands the schemes well and i just think that he you know he's not going to be efficient on the ground he but he's going to accumulate a lot of volume for you that's going to work out as a running back two, running back three and if he scores he vaults into running back one position
1: Yes, and and it does look like Ramondre Stevenson will miss multiple weeks, so we'll we'll be watching that as well. Juju Smith Schuster caught four of six targets, ninety yards in this game, and on a, on a night when Bailey Zappi hit nineteen to twenty eight, two hundred and forty three touchdowns with an interception. So a uh, semi competent quarterback play uh, seems to be a key for for any receiver. Was that the case here more so than Juju Smith Schuster being fantastic? Yeah, I mean, I think it's- And also attrition, Matt, right? There was nobody else.
0: (laughs) nobody else. There's nobody else. And there probably isn't going to be anybody else. And when you look at Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, look, he was paired with Patrick Mahomes last year. And let me go on a little Patrick Mahomes rant here because I think people will say this. Well, what's wrong with Mahomes that he's in the lower half of the top 10 in fantasy as opposed to being an elite guy? And my answer is it's really about bakers and chefs, okay? You have- you know bakers are the type of players who rely on precision they're you know very game plan oriented they have they're very relying on high-end techniques by the book um, pre-snap reads players executing exactly the way they need to around them um, the recipe has to be exact for the conditions to happen and or have as much control over their environment as possible chefs are kind of more like well, we can adjust the recipe on the fly if we've got a good team of people. We may even have some happy accidents here. It may work out. They may—they have some. They definitely have technique, but they, there's a lot more room for error with a with cooking than there is with baking. Patrick Mahomes is a cook. He's a chef. And when you have a team of Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey, you have two high-end players who can be chefs along with him, who can adjust. And you need that in an offense that's complex like a West Coast offense. Um. The offense is still good. Andy Reid's offense isn't the problem. I mean they're still atop their division. But the problem is is that you need wide, you need a wide receiver who can be as good at improvising as Patrick Mahomes is to get the best out of Patrick Mahomes. And you're not getting that with Reishi Rice, who they're just basically doing instant meals with by all these scheme plays that are just like screens, RPOs, different things that are only designed to get him the ball and there's no real improvisation or room there. And they don't have anybody else. And Kelsey isn't that big play option. Now because the the guy who was a little better, you know, in that Reishi Rice role last year but could do more and could you could do more with him in range was Juju Smith Schuster. He's that smart of a player. He just isn't a top end athlete. If he had Tyreek Hill's athletic ability, well if he had let's say let's say if he had DeMarcus Robinson's athletic ability, he would probably be a top fifteen receiver in the league right now. But he's not okay. that. But the thing is, he can improvise, he understands the game <clears throat> well and Bailey Zappi it hasn't had his wits beaten out of him like Mac Jones um or been frustrated by the fact that his development was relying on some crazy you know combination of people you know he in fact he was just probably left to the wolves and Zappi said well Glad I don't have to start in the midst of this right away. You know, I can at least watch and, you know, it's like watching how you're going to get executed by somebody else gets executed first. You at least have your plan of attack to see how you can <laughs> talk your way out of it or maybe change
1: the method. You know, I think that's where Bailey Zappy is and Juju Smith-Schuster kind of benefits. Well, well, a couple things. Coincidentally, my, my, one of my great many nicknames is "Happy Accidents." I, we won't go into that, but uh, <laughs> but also the target distribution in that game. There, you know, we mentioned there weren't a lot of pieces to go around. It was Elliot led the way with, I think, eight. Was it? Yeah, eight for Elliot, uh, six for Juju, uh, five for Taquan Thornton. Uh, surprising that he caught three of those. It, like, speak of Happy Accidents. Hunter Henry uh, had three, but he caught all of his, uh, including a pair of touchdowns. Zeke had a touchdown as well, so, so there were, you know, it's pretty slim pickings around him as well. Happy um, endings
0: for Robert Kraft, though.
1: Yes, very much. Yes. And always for Robert Kraft. Yep. Uh, Isaiah Likely, you little him fuck him.
0: Nah, fuck him. Now, I, there was a broken coverage for a long play, and I understand that he'll be involved, but I would not be leaning on him for fantasy <laughs> purposes right now. This is the Zay Flowers. Odell Beckham, you know, show with a with a dash of Keaton Mitchell or Gus Edwards when they get in close.
1: I slightly slightly disagree. Okay. In a world where we're streaming tight ends, like I as long as nobody thinks he's a one for one replacement for Mark Andrews, as long as you have the expectations correct, he's a playable commodity. Like if you're out there swimming in the sea with the Gerald Everett's of the world and, you know, that crowd then yes, he's a viable streamer, sure. and he plays with a pretty good quarterback. And he's a very athletic guy. Like, I kind of forgot how athletic he is yeah. until I kind of got the eyeballs on him the last two weeks, and and there's a little of that. So feel him for what he is, but fuck him if you think he's Mark Andrews because he's not that guy. Uh, speed kills, Matt, according to Chase Brown. Uh, you feeling or fucking this Cincinnati uh, rookie running back? I'm totally feeling him, and I'm feeling him because
0: Cincinnati's has figure- got it right with how to use him. They're using him in the screen game and they're using him on plays where he does not have to do a lot of reading of the defense just toss plays gap plays things where it's like hit this hole hit it hard hit it fast use your athletic ability we'll leave all the other diagnostic stuff to Joe Mixon when we want to run those types of plays where you've got to kind of set up blocks And Chase Brown has done that very well, and I think that's getting him acclimated and helping him be a little bit more confident in what he executes, and I think it'll help him grow into a a good player down the line.
1: I think Zach Taylor might be a decent coach. I don't want to overstate my case here, right? Uh, Look at that. I don't want to overstate my case, but over the course of time, I've seen him do things like, that. you know, maybe are kind of low-key, but making you know, some of the adjustments to this offense to get Chase Brown involved is one of them. I, I go back to uh, when Chase, Jamar Chase came off his injury, right? Prior to that, they'd been using him as just like a one thing, like the deep threat guy. They came back and I think out of necessity because he wasn't you know all the way up to speed, they started using him on crossing routes, shorter routes, more intermediate stuff, and discovered a whole new uh, avenue to use Jamar Chase. Which gives you multiple avenues because he can still do the deep things. But I just, I think some of the adjustments he's made over the course of the season, late last season, Joe Mixon getting up to speed as a runner, they adjusted the way they were, you know, uh, approaching the run game. They they changed the way they were blocking and where they were running him. I just think there's been some some kind of subtle adjustments over the course of seasons that that uh, belie his uh, vanilla look. Are you feeling him as
0: maybe Sean McVay without the stubborn streak?
1: Yes, or without the need for all the attention. All right. Maybe I that. like that. Maybe that. Uh, Rico, Rico Dowdle. Feel him or fuck him?
0: <laughs> I'm always feeling him. But um, I would say long-term, like for the rest of the season, I'd say fuck him unless yeah. <laughs> as anything more than just a um, break
1: the glass in case of emergency, hold on to the end of your roster thing. <laughs> I feel like this one is a setup for uh, David Tepper somewhere wrote this so we could feel better about Bryce Young. Uh, CJ Stroud without Nico Collins and Tank Dell. Feel or fuck it?
0: I'd say fuck it um, at this point. Um, And I know that (laughs) You know, maybe Dalton Schultz comes back. Maybe Xavier Hutchinson gets up to speed a little bit faster. Noah Brown gets, gets a little bit healthy. Maybe John Mechie, but I'm not feeling John Mechie. I haven't been feeling him all year. So I'm I'm looking at this, and if you're thinking, oh, he'll rebound and be back to what he was, I don't think so until at least Collins gets back. So if Collins is out for any length of time, I
1: am not feeling this right now cap injury is very tricky people asked uh ask Joe Burrow and ask Bob Harris. I've, I had one that like lasted a year right you keep thinking you're past it you push a little bit harder than you should and, and it's right back so uh, hopefully he can get back quickly I was not getting 24 7 treatment with high-end trainers so probably and I am like a very old man so there are differences I will acknowledge those differences I'm not necessarily an elite athlete I don't the list is long, so there. This is a multivariable equation, though, right? So CJ Stroud did not play well, had the concussion, so he was he ended up getting hurt. But also, there was really tough matchups for the pieces that were remaining. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm not going to give up on him at this point, but 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 you probably drafted him after whoever else you drafted, right? So yeah. so hopefully you know you haven't narrowed it down like you know like I kind of advocate for that. Get down your onesie positions to one guy. Uh, this would probably be the argument against that. Things happen especially if you have high-end quarterbacks. But if you have, like, a valuable piece behind him, you'll be glad you did probably at some point. Because uh, I tend to agree. Like, you know, even if you think this was a super tough matchup. and It and, was. Uh, and, and it was. It, but, it, I mean, yeah. it, but but he beat, you know, the week before he had more pieces and he beat a tough matchup in Denver, right? Yeah. So And,
0: and I think that's the thing we have to understand. I was like, look, the, it was in the rain. The Jets... The Jets were able to get a free man in Stroud's face routinely by the time he finished dropping back. Maybe he got one or two reads out and he had to try and take action with multiple guys in his face. But he also, by the time they were in the second half, he he was not accurate anymore. Like he was throwing the ball consistently too far behind his receivers and getting a lot of plays under. He had a lot of near interceptions in this game. And he's had a lot of near interceptions this season. Um, he's still a good player, but you know, he's he's this close to having a very different point of view than <laughs> people realize.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But, but, but again, these are always multi-variable situations. Yeah. You have to take them all into account. Jared Goff, multi-variable equation here. He's outside, he sucks. <laughs> 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 Jared Goff in his current slump.
0: Oh. I'm going to say he's going to turn it around, Um, you know, and, you know, looking at the schedule, I mean, again, you know, golf with, you know, with what we have left, and if you've narrowed it down to golf, you're you're now looking at, you know, oh, I'm looking at the wrong season. Okay, there we go. And if you're looking at it now, you're looking at, let's see, what, Denver and Minnesota and Dallas. That's not exactly – a great schedule for you. Um, Denver's not bad, Minnesota could be pretty good but they blitz a ton and, but he's probably in good weather environments for two out of those next three and they can still run the ball on these teams. I'm gonna still say feel them, feel them, but, uh, but you're, well, you're probably looking at another. Uh, another option uh, alongside him.
1: His two road games, though, are indoors, right? Yeah. So, like, he goes indoors the rest of the the rest of the way, essentially, which I think helps. I, I was listening to uh, your buddy Sigma Bloom, our buddy Sigmund Bloom, this morning uh, on the Audibles podcast, um, and he made a really interesting analogy. I don't know much about baseball, but I kind of got this one anyway. He thinks like the Detroit Lions compared them to the Colorado Rockies, who are uh, a team that's built for their stadium. Right, they play at a high altitude, and you know, so they don't have much pitching, but they have the hitters that can take advantage of the altitude. And, that, and he thinks the Detroit Lions are built for their stadium. I um,
0: it's funny because my buddy Brandon Angelo said they're built to win outdoors, based on their run game and offensive line. The problem is the quarterback. So maybe the quarterback <laughs> is the big issue. Is if we can get golf to, if we can get golf to get that outside mentality, they'll be good. But or it's just that. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, when if everyone's beaten up enough, the Lions might have a chance here because of their run game. I, I see both sides of the equation there. I'm more on Bloom's side. I think at this stage, based on golf. All
1: right, Tyler Lockett, feel him or fuck him.
0: Feel him as a player. Fuck it this year. I think in, until hard. if Drew Locke is still the quarterback, then I'm I'm probably feeling him a little bit more. If if Geno Smith comes back, fuck it.
1: It has been a full year since he uh, had a thousand, a hundred receiving yards in a game. Um, he's, he's become like, he's always been perceived as more, maybe more boom bust than he is. Right. Like, cause he has a lot of big games and I think the busts were fewer and farther between. I think this year that's more, he's more boom if, bust. If Tyler Lockett winds
0: up in Jacksonville, I am totally feeling him. If he doesn't, yeah, if he, if he doesn't, then that's a different. Maybe story. Seattle
1: will just take Calvin Ridley off.
0: Maybe they will. I mean, Pete, you know how Pete is. Pete, crisscross. Might, yeah. Pete,
1: crisscross. Pete, Pete might find something exciting about that. You know, I don't know. All right. Let's wrap this thing up for this week. Week 14, heading into week 15. Uh, there was a lot of excitement over a situation. Isaiah Pacheco has a shoulder injury. Uh, going to Chiefs are playing the Buffalo Bills, a very generous run defense. So we had. The questions I got on the SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio Football Diehards program last week, and on my YouTube channel live stream, were about nothing other than C.E.H. versus Jared McKinnon. Who do you play? I feel like Matt. For me, this played out like almost like you the script you would write the script or or what you would expect, like based on logical outcomes here, which we know we don't always get in the NFL. Um, Do you think that? And by that I mean C.E.H. getting the early down work mckinnon getting the third down two minute offense kind of work and red zone right red zone (laughs) probably probably, does that seem sticky to you
0: yes very sticky and i've i had somebody ask me about should i drop should i drop zach charbonnet for ceh and and i was like why would you and i think i said okay and i'm not being a smart aleck i said the question i would ask back is Why would you take a player like Zach Charbonnet who could be a starter at any moment and get starter volume, including red zone looks um, in an offense that's good enough um, for a player who we know isn't always quite good enough to do anything more than the first two downs worth of work, isn't very good in the red zone, doesn't break a lot of tackles and isn't gonna get much in the passing game and is probably going to cede way to a player who just came back who seems to be their favorite passing down target in the red zone in mckinnon and we saw what played out there um so yeah i mean i'm totally feeling mckinnon if i had to go with one or the other even though the volume favors ceh
1: right i think mckinnon like for a lot of us and you know there are memories of tremendous great memories of last year where Jarek mckinnon likely won you a a championship as a running back two over the final what six games of the season had eight touchdowns so uh there's something we uh some connection problems. Is there he's any he's a Georgia to boy it? aliens is there, <laughs> look at <you>. is there <laughs> any reason to pay any attention to Eric Price before we get out of here but Eric Prince, I'm sorry.
0: Um I would keep an eye out for him. He can he is a um <clears throat> he, he is a nifty runner for his size. I, but I would not get overly excited and if Keontae Ingram is still on the Chiefs practice squad. Over time, we might even see him beat out Deneric Prince. We'll
1: see. All right, go chase aliens. Love you, goodbye. Love you, bye. <laughs>